Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. Really hope we see you there. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince—they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh my God, why did I post that? Ah, I don't know what to do. Should I delete that? Yeah, you should definitely delete that. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, Pretty in pink. Pretty in pink. Look at me like a lady. Cute. I match your microphone. You do. Sorry, that took a while for it to register what you said. But you do match my microphone. It's also the second time I've I'm enjoying it. it. So that's sad that it took you so long. <laughs> and it's the second time I'm going to say, I like the coordination. <laughs> of course, like Groundhog Day. Do you know, do you know what? I, I put up a, a story yesterday of, and there was a mug, mug in the photo and it said the Hoxton Paris on it. And someone replied and was like, are you posting that just so everyone remembers that you live in Paris? <laughs> I was like, you're our type of person. Yeah, and, also yes. <laughs> and also yes. <laughs> to any new listeners, I lived in Paris, but uh, don't, I don't like to talk about it. But, so. yeah, but we all know Al. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's my mum's birthday today. I'm good. It's, I'm sorry, I'm having a panic birthday because uh, you just keep forgetting that COVID's still going and we're supposed to be having dinner with my mum's um, buddies this evening and then COVID struck and so we've had to um, make a new, a plan B, which has included me ordering so much sushi and I'm like I panic bought sushi which Love I didn't it. even most middle class thing I've ever done and pa- panic bought sushi <laughs> um, but yeah so I've panic bought dinner for everyone and we're, we're moving the location we're going back to my mum's um, and it'll be it'll okay be really nice. that'll be nice but, yeah, that'll be lovely so I'm a little bit frantic but I'm good how are you a little bit. A little bit. Good, good. It's oh, it's so hot, and as normal, I am not dressed for <laughs> the weather. I thought that when I saw your outfit this morning on Instagram. But we always say about Al, she dresses for the weather that she wants, and she always wants it to be like Norway in January. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I'm having a hard time interpreting weather forecasts. I've started to use it, but I still don't really know what it means. Like, I know if it says 30, like, wear a summer dress. I know if it says 10, wear a coat. But the in-between stuff, what does it mean? Oh, my God. If you, did you learn? nothing is it legally blonde it's like what's your ideal day it's like april 23rd not too cold not too hot you can just wear a life jacket so my favorite line in yeah. any film yeah so i'd say and that's great anything over that 20 mm, okay anything over 21 degrees i'd wear shorts wow but that's really? me anything over 25 degrees and i'm mm, anything over 23 degrees and i'd take i'd yeah i'd cook i i, I mean yeah, yeah. Twenty. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm okay. going to stake my claim on that. Twenty-one degrees, and I'm in shorts. I think. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a nice benchmark. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go with that. Daisy's just said anything over sixteen, no jacket. No. Yeah, agree, Daisy. Not. Absolutely agree. You know what? I'm actually Oof. changing my order. I think eighteen degrees, and I'm in shorts. Yeah, I think I'm. Wow. I think okay. I'm at eighteen. Well, twenty, and I'm in a t-shirt. Yeah, and shorts. More fool you when I'm wrapped up and warm and you're shivering, shivering your bum off. I'm not though. Be, I'm not. I'm thriving, Al. I'm honestly, I'm thriving. <laughs> I just, I, I live for it. I love the summer. I'm in jeans today and I'm full of regret. Absolutely full of it. I'm sweating. It is so hot is. today. So I, hot. I need more like smart shorts. Like it's, well, I, I think that's an oxymoron to be honest. I don't think such a thingy, like, because I've got my exercise shorts, but it's, yeah, like to, Maybe I'm just too old for like for like the denim like denim skirts. People are, we're done with denim skirts. Denim shorts are just like chub yeah. rub central. Like your ass is always hanging out. Like they're not very smart. So then, what do you do? Well, there's like linen shorts that you can make look quite cool. I don't think I could make them look quite cool. 
No, you, you're, you're not really a linen, linen kind of person, I feel. No, I'm a lycra gal. So just stick to your just stick to your uh, exercise shorts. No, but it's annoying because you and I do more stuff now. Like it was kind of fine when all I did was like sit at home <laughs> and like in talk to my phone. But now like you, you we go out of the house, we go places, and in one way yeah. it's, it's good because I own blouses like this, and I never would have owned this blouse if I didn't have a proper job. You know, I'm still ca- I'm counting this as a proper job. But like for inf- if Instagram, really? you don't really need anything. But we have to go places now. You know? We do, we so do, we do. I, I bought some shirts, but I still, at the moment, I'm just shirts and pants because I can't find anything to wear on the bottom. Summer dresses, though. You've got loads of nice summer dresses. I don't. Actually, I, I keep thinking that, but the, the, the times that I've been like, I love your dress, you're like, oh, it's Sarah's, or... <laughs> so maybe <laughs> yeah, you don't. I don't. I, I actually own very... I own a lot of shit, but I own a lot of exercise wear, but I don't really own any proper clothes. And I... Because I rent. I rent okay. all my fancy things. Right, so you need some nice sundresses, like yeah, summer dresses. I do. You know what? I've so been thinking I, it clearly. for a while. Shall we go shopping? Not physically, yes. like shopping on the internet, but kind of. Okay, thank God. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, that's that's painful. But yeah, shopping I mean, online, thing, yes. I can't shop. You know, <laughs> it's yeah, disgusting. I can't shop. Anyway, this, this is the whole thing. Go into, yeah. Have you got anything? Oh yeah, I feel like you might have something like a tiny good, a tiny. Good. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah, and you know what? Like I was like, I'm not actually going to talk about the book on the podcast today. I'm just not going to. But it's very hard not to because it's been literally two of the best days ever. Like so nice, and I've been so spoiled, and everyone's been so nice to me. And honestly, like I am, my head's going to get so big. I'm going to get so used to this. You're going to have to bring me back down to earth because I have been spoiled for the past two days and it's been amazing. So nice. I can do that. It was, oh yeah, I forgot to say it was book publication day yesterday and like my sisters and Dave did a nice little surprise for me and yeah, it's just been, everyone's been so nice and it's, I don't know about you, like what do you feel? about things like this but I always feel awkward about things like this because it's like it's not stuff that's going to be repaid necessarily do you know what I mean with like weddings like you know I all my friends have got married so I done all of that stuff for them you know so it didn't feel like too awkward when it was my thing but with this it feels like it's not going to be repaid so I feel extremely awkward okay, and two and points like, two points one why do you underestimate your friends so much and think you're the only one only one good enough I know. to write a book <laughs> And two, um, you know you have to stop working on this exchange basis. Like, I, I, I feel this with you all the time. Whenever you do anything nice, whenever I do anything nice, you, you're always like, I'll pay you back. I'm like, no, Al, people just like doing nice things for you. And you know what you've done with this book is you've given, given people like, so much. Like, you, it's a gift. So people will want yeah, to pay I... you back for the gift that you've given them. Okay, I like that. I like that skew on it. I've said this to you for ages. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not selling it to them. You're giving it to them. So... No, I know. It just feels... Very, it's just a lot. You know You know what it is. Just, it's just a lot, isn't it? And we are so... The stuff we do is so public. And so everyone can see it, you know? And, and the stuff that our friends are doing, we don't necessarily see well they have to tell us about it you know so it's it's just different the dynamic is different and it feels yeah it's tough you, you at know the top I mean. it's lonely at the top that's what they say <laughs> <laughs> what i'm saying is when you're such a big deal it's really difficult <laughs> i get it i see the light that's that obviously like, a joke like, like my friends are like incredible though. doctors and doing like amazing things but you know, even the ones that aren't doctors, and but you know what I mean. You I know, know what I'm you saying. Mean. I know what you mean. But you know what? To your own horn, mate. You've got a number one best-selling book, and I'm so proud of you. And it's great. It's actually not number one best-selling, but thank you for that. I'll take that. best-selling. But you know what? You know what you asked me to do about five minutes ago. You were like, "Can you just bring me back down to earth?" That's exactly what I just did. <laughs> Yoink! <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> What's your good? Oh God. I don't... I mean, loads of got loads of little good a sprinkling of goods to be honest like it's my mum's birthday your book came out I you're not supposed to say this because obviously your honeymoon's the happiest time of your life but fuck me I miss my friends and I miss my dog and I was just gassed to come back to everyone and it's been so nice like last night Georgie came over and we drank like a magnum and a half of wine and I went to bed and left her and Alex up so I don't have a hangover and they both do ha 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 and um yeah everything's just good like it's just you know you come back to the house it hasn't fallen down everything's good you know 
Life. Life's good. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's nice because you had such a good time on honeymoon, but it feels like you're actually enjoying being back as well, which is very, really nice. Well, a lot of people talk about, like, the wedding blues. Like, I spoke to the, the, guy that run the, the guy that runs the coffee shop I go to, and he was like, oh, one of my employees has just come back from my wedding, and she's, like, really upset because her wedding's over. And I get, I get that, but I just haven't felt that at all. Like, I don't feel... Like, I'm very much and put this on the fridge magnet Al, of the smile because it happened, don't cry because it's over, school of thought. And I feel like that about the honeymoon and everything. <laughs> I actually said it in the wrong order as well. Oh, Alex has a really, uh, my Alex came home with a fucking great idea for one yesterday. Cats, not cat calling. Nice, I like Yay. that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, see, sorry, there are legs. There sorry, is, there I'm are just legs still. I'm, I'm still trying Empire. to process the, the fact that you actually said on the podcast, "Cry, smile because it no, happened." Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And I'm really <laughs> holding on. I am. I'm holding on to it. I stand by it. You know what? A cliche. A cliche is a cliche for a reason, Al. You know what I'm saying? I enjoy it. Like, I enjoy it. I do. So I do. And it's a very. No it's actually a very good cliche. Um, it's very poignant. Hey, this, find me a bad one. That's all I'm saying about cliches. I just, yeah. find me a bad one. I like I cliches. Know. I know. And you know what would be kind? You know what would be a kindness for, for the cliches? If we could just immortalise them with some kind of amazing physical, physic, physicky, Yeah, see, that's funny that you say that because <laughs> I actually, I actually feel like that they thrive better in more abstract settings. <laughs> Look, I'm open to talk. You want to make them? You want to do sparklers? We can oh do sparklers. Oh my god, sparkler! Sparkler! You could never get smile because it happened. Don't cry because it's over on a sparkler. Can you imagine? I don't like that attitude. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a can-do attitude, and I'm so sorry. No, no. I think I might might make you a magnet. We'll get you a sparkler, suggesting that you find one. Yeah. Um, sparklers are cute. Yeah. There's no iron team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of cliches. But there is a me. And there's an M. There's literally an M, so. And an E. Well, e, no, I mean an E-M. Like E-M, like my name. <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh there, is, there is an M. That's cute. Oh. Um, and a T. <laughs> there's loads in there, yeah. Honestly, yeah, they've packed it right in. Um, okay, oh, anybody? my God, it's an, anag- it's an anagram of mate. That's yeah, cute. and meat. And what? Meat. <laughs> Oh, me, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, fine, moving on. Sorry, we are, times of the essence, I've got an emergency, sushi emergency. Um, yes. Bads, bads, bads. Tell me a bad, please. Bad, very quick bad, very fucking disgusting bad. I got on the train for a full day in London, full day in London, and I sat down on the train and I was like, oh, something smells, something really smells. What is that? And I was like, is it me? Is it, is it my clothes? You know, when your clothes don't dry properly. Mm. I was like, what is that? And then I just, and I was sitting against the window and I just looked up on the window and I saw sick and I followed the trail of sick down <laughs> and it went all the way down and all the way onto the seat that I was sitting on. And it was it was just after the Jubilee weekend. So obviously people have been wasted and vommed everywhere. And I sat in it. I sat in the sick. It's fucking right. I sat in the sick and I wasn't even going home. I was going in. And I was like, I actually just don't know what to do. Yeah, it was disgusting. Really disgusting. And I hated the person that did it. Oh yeah, that is pretty gribbly. Yeah, disgusting. Bastards. Yeah, what's yours? You know my bad. You saw my bad. Daisy saw my bad. We knew my bad was coming because I was away from this house for three weeks. And you know what accumulates when you leave your house? The fucking post. post. Oh my God. <laughs> I came back to not one, but two penalty charge notices from TFL. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I hate myself. I absolutely hate myself. And a lot of it was nice. We've had some wedding invitations. We've it had was some thank nice. you cards. My flower girls have written me the most adorable little letters and, and they were adorable. So, you know, like for the first time, actually, I really saw the value of posts. I was like, there's some good shit in here. But, yeah. but it doesn't remove but. the threat as you go like envelope, envelope, envelope. Like, good, good, good. The bad, the, or the, the what ifs. Anything that wasn't written in an adorable seven-year-old's handwriting, I wasn't interested in. 
if it's typed, I don't want it. And unfortunately, I got it. So, um, Em, how, yeah. I just want to know how you're racking up so many penalties. Like, how? What's going on? What do you do? Is it is it parking? Like, what? I don't get no. it. Um, different things. <laughs> yeah, just different things. It's normally, and this won't come as a huge surprise to you, a lack of organisation on my part where it comes to not paying my pen, uh, my congestion charge. Oh God, I've got something else to tell you right. as well. I know Daisy's telling us we've got to rush through this. I've got something else to tell you. And it's actually my awkward, but it's a delayed awkward. And it's just to Go do on. with my lack of organisation again. And I, and I need to sort myself out. I really do. Like I actually, it's a bit deep. I don't want to get into it now because I know we're being rushed. But I, I'm, I'm really struggling with my own ineptness. Like I just, I, it's just killing me. I just don't understand how I work. But so I, stupid posts, stupid notices. There'll be another fucking one because I haven't paid the ones that I got home to on Tuesday. Don't know why. I just don't know what's wrong with me. But uh, I'm a fucking mess. Anyway, what? so I told you the other day in the podcast, before we left, in the special episode, before my wedding, I told you that I'd lost my bank card, didn't I? And that everything was yeah. fine and I didn't need my bank card. I was like, yeah, it's fine. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm do- I'm thriving. I'm making it work. And it's been my thing for like a casual four months. I haven't had a bank card. It's fine, right? And then I went to the Shell Garage literally on the way home from recording with you. And I got to the Shell Garage on the motorway, on the fucking motorway. I nearly called you an Uber to come and rescue me. And I got there. And Apple Pay has not been a problem for a long time, okay? But I think I'd had an expensive day because of the wedding stuff. I can't remember. It must have been that. But I got to the Shell Garage... And obviously the fu- the price of petrol shot right up. So I had like £100, right, to pay. And I'd, I'd got greedy. I'd gone for some gum. I wanted some water. I'd, I'd made some purchases, right? <laughs> and it was like £100. And I went to go and do it with my Apple Pay. And it just didn't work. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, oh what is God. happening? And he was like, okay. And I was like, can I try again? And he was like, okay. I again. He's like, you're going to need a card. I was like, so I don't have my card. And he was like, okay. So you're going to need to tran- you need to call a friend and get them to transfer you the money to pay for your petrol. And I was like, no, 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 I have the money. I just, my card's not working. And he was like, okay, well, if your card, like we, and I was like, can I try again? So I tried four times in the Apple Pay and he was like, right, okay. And by this point, there was a big queue, shell garage, fucking Ooh. evening rush hour. And everyone's oh. looking at me and, I, and he was like, okay, can you, you need, what you need to, I said, what can I do? Like literally what can I do about this situation? Can someone ring you? Can like, some, can someone pay over the phone? He was like, no, you need to go to the car and get your driving license, fill in a form and then um, we'll bill you to your house. And I was like, okay, I can do that. I went to my car. Where the fuck is my no driving, driving license? license? No driving oh, license. Oh my God. Oh I, my God. I couldn't tell you, couldn't even begin to imagine where that thing is. So I was sitting in the car and I was like, oh my god like I'm in trouble now so I was like yeah, I, was, I literally I, was, I think I tried to ring you um to come and get me because you were London was closer than where I was going and I couldn't find my my th- I couldn't find anything I couldn't find any money I couldn't find anything and then I found <laughs> in the side of my handbag I found a um, I found my credit card which not my debit card my credit card which still had the sticker and needed to be activated on it and it expires next year i've just never activated it i've never used it and so i had to call hsbc and be like hi can i activate my bank card please and they were like it's arrived three years ago and i was like (laughs) i know but I, I'm in a bind and I need access to it. So they activated it for me. And then I got in and I was like, what's the fucking pin? And I had no idea what the oh pin was, obviously. So I had to go, I got to the checkout and I was like, I've got my card. And then I went to put it in and I was like, oh my God, I don't know the pin. And I was like, okay, it looks like I've stolen it from somebody. It looks like I went to the fork court weighed up my options stole someone's credit card and came back in to use it (laughs) so then I had to go back to my car again with everybody looking at me like this person is insane and I went back to the car and I had to link my credit card thank god you can do this I linked my credit card to my apple pay and then went back in and apple pays using my credit card but it was and it worked but it was probably the worst oh and it was all I kept thinking is why did I tell everybody how good this system was because i just jinxed <laughs> yeah. it you did i haven't done but, anything but about what would it have happened? what would have happened if you hadn't have been able to pay like that you'd have been getting what an uber have... down the a40 
But like, what do they do? do you know what I mean? Like the people, the, the man at the thing. Like, well, I think just most people like, called the police on you. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think if I tried to leave, they'd have called the police. I think most people have their driving licenses with them, so that because my sister had this once because she yeah. is also uh, of my ilk, um, and she doesn't carry a card around with her because why would she? So she got to the M6 toll. Too easy. Too, too easy. easy. She got to the M6 toll, and they were like, she was like, "Didn't you take Apple Pay?" And they were like. No. And she was like, well, what do I do? Because it's a motorway. You can't just turn back around. So she, they had to then send her a bill using her driving license. They had to send her a bill to her house. It happens. Oh my but God. it was just, it was oh a really, God. really, really bad day. And you know what, Al? It's been a month. And I haven't cancelled my card. And I haven't ordered a new one. But <laughs> in my defence... In my defence, I didn't want to cancel everything just before I went on honeymoon because I was like, that will be a nightmare. Yeah. And I've got to change my name and stuff. So I was like, well, I'll just wait and do all that horrifying admin in one go. But that's my awkward. Oh, that, I mean, all of that really had my anxiety sky high. Same. I feel for you. Same. But you and I didn't know. get your missed call. I didn't get your missed call until far after. Yeah, like, you did. So much after. Yeah, I would have been waiting a long time for you. But you want to know, like, <laughs> the worst thing about myself is I'm like, I didn't, I hit rock bottom, rock bottom there, but I just skimmed it. You know what I mean? Like, I was fine. There were no real consequences. There was a bad 10, yeah. 15 minutes. I haven't learned my lesson, clearly. It wasn't a scary enough situation. I didn't <laughs> go to prison. I haven't, you know what I mean? So I'll continue to live like this because it wasn't that, I, I haven't hit rock bottom yet. The universe needs to take it up a level in their punishment Don't for you, essentially. Don't talk like that. Don't do that. Don't put that out there. I could do without it. I could do without it. Um, but, but you're right, and it will be in the form of a court summons that arrives next week when I forget to pay these congestion charge bills downstairs again. So, <laughs> Woo. I'm a mess. I hate myself. I really do. Anyway, uh, what's next? Your awkward place. Uh, my my awkward, very stupid awkward. Like I was in, I went to, I was in Shoreditch going to a shoot, and I passed, I passed this cocktail bar that was called like, I think it's called Borley McBallison or Borley Ballers Borley Anderson or something like this. Anyway, and it's a cocktail. It's a Bull pit cocktail bar. So naturally, I was like, "Ew, that's rank. That's really rank. That's disgusting." I literally can't think of anything worse. I can't think of anything better than sitting anything better in a human in in a in a. Oh my god! I and, love you, it. and if you if you lose something, it's gone forever. No, it's not. It's just gone until you, you find it. It's sit, a good game. Oh, just the, the the hygiene, and I'm not even like that. You know, I'm not even that clean, but that just went through me. And so I just put it on stories casually. I was like, oh, I'm half intrigued by this, like half really grossed out at how unhygienic this must be <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, a couple of hours later, I got a DM from Bally McBallison. <laughs> I was like, because I'd, I'd shown their name as well. And they were like, oh, we actually clean our balls every Monday. <laughs> Al, please let's go. Let's go. We clean, on we clean our balls every Monday. Let's go We'd on love Monday. to have you down. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said that. I didn't think you'd see it. And also, I'm so sorry. I didn't realise it would be such a big deal. This cocktail bar. And I'm just so sorry. And now I'm never talking about anything ever again. Oh my god, you're a little troll. Look at you. How many I am a people? Troll. When people troll I'm me troll. and I reply and I'm like, what are you saying? And they go, oh, sorry, I didn't think you'd see it. <laughs> you. I am a troll. You're a troll. A troll. Um, let's go. Let's make it up so. to him. Let's go. Oh, please. Please take me. It's my birthday soon. Um, um, okay. I'm, God, I'm come just, on. I'm Don't tro- be like... Right, I'm going to troll I'm, them I'm throwing, even further. I'm throwing the birthday party there and it would be really, really poor form if one of my closest friends didn't come. No. So... No. Well, I, there you go. I don't think this is what you because... want your legacy to be. <laughs> I don't think... I don't think you want to... I don't think this is the hill you want to die on. Come out. Um, Come and have fun with us. They clean their balls every every Monday. That means that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it's just a pit, literally a pit. We'll go on a Monday. A big cesspool pit. We'll go of on Monday. Germs. Also, why are you so angry about germs? Germs are fine. Germs are fun. Germs are a hoot. Honestly, germs. Yeah, get- normally I'm not that. But for some reason, the idea of it just makes me feel sick. I don't know. The fact sick. that you smelt vomit on a window of a train and it even crossed your mind that it could have been you means that you are not in a position to be throwing shade at Bally McBallface okay we're going we're Daisy we're going okay it's gonna be a great trip we're going we're going we're going balling 
Okay. Okay. Fingers fingers crossed I don't get COVID. Oh, please. COVID would be the least of your worries. Hepatitis, maybe. Like, come on. I think I'd like the box out. I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed I don't get COVID beforehand. And, you know, God forbid I wouldn't be able to come because I had COVID, you know? So just fingers crossed. Anyway, so I'm so sorry, balling my ball If you want to stay in um, your own house for seven days to get out of a great night with me and Daisy, <laughs> I really feel like you're the that's one that's on going to suffer there. Yeah. <laughs> right, we're going well, balling. There we go. Let's we're going balling. Maybe let's let's get into the episode. You'd have seen in the news this week, four more people have been charged for attending the Sarah Everard vigil, which means that there are six now facing prosecution. This comes alongside the news that Met Police were refused another chance to repeal against Reclaim These Streets. Initially, the Met said that the vigil broke COVID regulations. The High Court ruled that the police had breached the right of the event organisers, though, and since the appeal was denied, the police are now saying that they were worried that the vigil was a threat to the police. They are continuing now to charge attendees at a cost of God knows how much to the taxpayer. To the millions of us who watched the vigil, it was really heartbreaking to see it end the way it did. At the same protest that we saw Kate Middleton laying flowers and babies and dogs amongst the women who came to grieve the loss of one of their own at the hands of the very people who were meant to keep them safe. It was devastating to then see footage emerge of these same women in handcuffs. The most recognisable of those women being Patsy Stevenson, who became instantly identifiable after she was arrested at the Sarah Everard vigil. Patsy is a five foot one slight woman and the photo of her on the ground with two male police officers holding her down was circulated around the world. She's currently in a legal battle and she can't tell us the exact details of what happened, but we wanted to hear from her today to explain the effect that this incident has had on her. At the time of the arrest, she said publicly she wasn't anti-police, but she feels very differently today. Now, we wanted this episode to be a chance to give Patsy her voice and explain how she felt about these new charges. But the day we interviewed her fell on the two year anniversary of the deaths of Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman. These were the two sisters who were murdered in their local park by a man who had been radicalised on the internet and had made a pledge to kill six women every six months as part of a pact with the devil. Their mother rang the police to report them missing and was not taken seriously, Mina suspects, because the girls were black. It took 16 hours for the police to act, in which time the family had already launched their own search party and found their bodies. Already gross negligence from the police, and yet it gets so much worse. The officers who were left in charge of guarding the crime scene proceeded to take selfies with the women's bodies and send them to a WhatsApp group with 40 other officers in it. These two officers have lost their jobs and have been jailed. It took 10 months for the Met to apologise. Mina forgave her daughter's killer, but said it was too late for an apology from the police. Their case got significantly less coverage. And actually, we realised that this episode was a lot bigger than Patsy. And we wanted to do more to amplify the voices of those women's stories who just aren't being heard. This is not just an issue of institutional misogyny within the police. It is one of institutionalised racism as well. Now, we confess that before recording for this episode, we were ignorant to a lot of this. Although we'd seen news articles about the leaked WhatsApp messages and heard of things like Kill the Bill, we didn't really know what it was. And I think like a lot of people, we were sort of buying the a few bad apples rhetoric. I think what we learned at this protest was that there are systemic problems, but really the handling of all of this shows that in lots of ways, the Met are prioritising their reputation over the safety of women. We don't claim to know all of the answers, but this day and these conversations did serve as an education for us. And for that reason, we wanted to share it with all of you. We don't expect you to necessarily agree with everything that is said, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't hear it. Something we heard a lot on this day was that for so many black women, their trust in the police is so low that if they experienced an assault, they might not even call the police for help. This came as a shock to two privileged white women who really, until that one bad apple that was Wayne Cousins, had never really thought not to trust the police. But the fact of the matter is this is a feeling shared by a lot of people and we want you to hear from them. We know that for police officers listening to this or for people who have loved ones who are police officers that it is hard not to take this conversation personally. But we need to stress that we do not think that all police officers are bad. 
On the contrary, we believe that most of them are brave people who do this job with the genuine intention of making the world safer. This is not all police officers. But in the same way that we talk about not all men, we need to allow space to recognise institutional and systemic problems. This is not personal by any means, and we really want to stress that in this episode. But having heard from so many women, namely Chantelle Lunt, who trained as a police officer, we do feel that this conversation is necessary. Stats show that only half of Londoners, 48%, are confident that they'd be treated fairly if they encounter police, with only 29% saying that the police are effective at preventing violence against women. So it's a big one, but it's important, and we hope you enjoy it, but more importantly, learn from it. Before we headed to the march with the Women's Equality Party, we spoke to Patsy around my kitchen table. So here is that interview. You were arrested at the vigil for Sarah Everard and the footage was all over the news and, you know, it became quite an, like an iconic photo of you on the floor being arrested and you were sort of instantly catapulted into the public eye, really, um, and you had no idea it was going to happen. Can you tell us about going to the vigil and... Did you have any idea of what was about to happen? I think any anyone could have predicted that. That was so strange. Um, so I remember after the vigil, um, I went with one friend um, and we were walking down the road and then someone said, you're on the front page. And I was like, the front page of what? And they said, everything. And I was like, what do you mean? So I, I looked it up and, and my name had been leaked by someone. Um, and so my face was everywhere on the New York Times, on every single UK media outlet. So I had to call my mum and say, I've just been arrested. And she thought I was pranking her at first because I, I have done that in the past about little things. But <laughs> I was like, no, I'm being serious. I'm really sorry. Um, I've been arrested. And I said, I'm, I'm on like the news. And, you know, for them, they were bewildered, just like watching me all over the news couldn't really look at the news I, I didn't watch it for a good couple of days because it was just my face everywhere mm. um it was very scary not to talk details of um the arrest but to talk about how you were feeling because i wonder was it like a fear thing or was it instantly like this isn't justifiable did you instantly feel like it wasn't fair or it was the weirdest feeling and i don't think i can even describe it because i immediately thought I'm, my life is over because I thought I'd be kicked out of university I thought I'd never be able to work again because you hear about like people being arrested you don't get to have a job again because they're like you've been arrested you know yeah. um, and I was just so scared I remember there was a moment where I thought you know I just I can't believe this is happening um, just in general it was I think as well you could probably see in the videos I'm trying to hold back tears because um, I didn't want to cry I didn't yeah. want them to see me as a victim and I've really held it in. I was so close to tears so many times. Like, like I remember when I think I shouted something um, about, like, you know, you should have arrested the murderer. And someone made a joke out of it. It was all over TikTok. They were like, oh, how are they meant to arrest him before he, before they knew he murdered someone? I was like, because he was done for indecent exposure a few yeah. days before. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, I, I remember, like, looking up and seeing all the cameras. Like, it was so bright because they used flash and there were so many of them because mm. it... It was just, yeah, it was a lot. It was really shocking. It was it was so sad to see how that ended because it mm. should have been exactly what it was. And you said in, in one of the interviews that it got scary when the police arrived. Mm. And I thought that was the most shocking and telling yeah. thing. Yeah, the very people who are supposed to make, make the, like situations less scary and yeah. actually they induce the fear. Obviously, Sarah Everard's disappearance and, and murder was like the, a combination between just shocking and so unsurprising in the most horrible way you know that's become just so like n normal within women's safety in that conversation and the, the protests and and the reaction to it online and in real life was really really powerful and and it did feel like something shifted but i wonder like what it was for you that made you go to the vigil because obviously covid restrictions were still you know we were easing out of lockdown and you know, it was a a big like journey for a lot of people, and I just wonder what it was for you that that made you want to go. Felt you felt compelled to go. I mean, I've never been one to sort of stick to authority rules anyway, 
but you know in a very small way a lot of my life I've had partners who have told me to stay out of things to not make a scene not speak up on certain things you know um, you know, if someone's being harassed in a pub or something, I'd go and step in. They're like, no, no, don't, leave it, leave it. And that's always happened throughout my life. And so I feel like I've sort of been squashed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a week before the vigil, my uncle passed away. And uh, so he he lived in Brighton and he was without a home and he was living in a hostel. And um, I had to go up and, and see him. He was unconscious from the time he was taken in. Uh, and they knew he was going to pass away, so I, I stayed with him for sort of five days. And his his death obviously hit me very hard. And when I was searching his room to clean out bits, um, he had a woman's rights badge and a pronouns badge and things like that. And I was like, <laughs> I remember, you know, he was very much he had nothing, but he'd mm-hmm. give you anything he had, sort of type person. Mm-hmm. And I like I loved that about him, and I hope to be like that, you know. And then you know, coming home, I remember turning on the TV and seeing this and thinking. I knew where my uncle was and I'm so distraught and they don't even know where she is. Do you know what I mean? I just, mm. I couldn't fathom what they were going through. And I just thought, you know, I thought of all the women who I've known who have been like texting me when you get home and, you know, they're always, everyone all, always watches out for other women's safety. And I just thought it's so, it's not on. And it, I've always been a feminist, but I never really truly understood it until the vigil and all mm. that happening. Because you said after, we, we were watching some of your interviews before and you did an interview with Good Morning Britain and you kind of said in it, you were like, oh, well, you know, like I'm a feminist, but I, I don't really have an opinion on some of the these things, uh, you know, like some of... Cause, and, and that's exactly right. Like, it's really, you know, social media kind of does make it feel like you have to have an opinion on everything, but you're also really scared of getting it wrong. So it's, it's a really difficult thing. But I think something that's really cool about your journey over the last year is you've done so much to learn um, and so now like today we're going to a protest later and you're going to be speaking at that and can I ask how that's come to be and, and the kind of thing that you talk about at the protests like yeah um, <clears throat> I think my, my first talk at a protest was I, I went to a protest for kill the bill so I didn't know what kill the bill was and obviously I said in an interview that I'm not anti-police I didn't know anything about it, I didn't know what Kill the Bill was, I didn't understand it. I personally thought activists and protesters were a bit too much and I, and it's weird looking back because I'm like, they're really not, they actually should be doing more. Um, but you know, I, I went to this protest for Kill the Bill to see what it was about and I went up to the to the main bit and said hello to some of the people and uh, one of the people there was Chantelle Lunt who is an amazing activist, she literally, she works so hard. and. Um, and she said, well, do you want to speak? And I thought, oh, I don't have a speech or anything. She was like, no, no just speak, it would be fine. So I wrote like three little bullet points on a mm-hmm. post-it note and I went up and spoke and everyone was really like welcoming and really lovely about it. And I was like, okay, actually, I might be able to do something here, you know? And um, and yeah, ever since like people have been asking me to speak at these things and I think it's really important like as a white woman as well to speak on other things like um with the saying i'm not anti-police you know it it hurt a lot of people because they've been shouting about it for ages that the police are abusing them the police are racially profiling them there's so many things that police do that i've never experienced so i didn't know and i was ignorant towards those things and you know listening to women now and really taking on board what they're going through and what they have been going through for so many years Mm -hmm. yeah i hate the fact that I have such a big platform and I was given that after a picture. If I were a black woman, would I have that platform? Would the would the headlines have been different? Do you know what I mean? Would I have been you know, what else would have happened on that night? It's very it's life changing in a perspective way as well, mm-hmm. because my whole perspective has just shifted. You know, I believe they unlawfully arrested me. Um and yeah. the problem at the moment is that people have been charged from the Sarah Everard, Everard vigil. Mm-hmm. Um people who attended have been charged and um, they've been charged because they we all got £200 fines and some of us didn't pay those fines and we were told, you know, you'll be pros- possibly be prosecuted if you don't pay these fines. Yeah. I was terrified at that time, so I just paid it straight away because mm, I was so yeah. scared. I thought I'd be kicked out of uni or something. Yeah. I thought that when I was arrested, I thought my life is over. Yeah, so some of them, including two of my friends, have said we don't want to pay them because it's a principle. Mm. Like, we don't think we did anything wrong. Hopefully, they you know, they get, they're able to not pay their fines, I'm not sure, but 
I think people were very like, well, if you broke the rules, you should pay the fines. But you've got people like Boris Johnson who had a few parties. I, mean, I think that's <laughs> the thing, right? That's why, that's what compelled us to get in touch with you this week is it was in the news at the end of last week, more people were yeah. being charged for, for attending that vigil. And it's like that on the back of the fucking... <laughs> like, part, like oh, this party, that party, and like, how much are they being fined? No one knows. Are they paying it? No one knows. Like, is anyone being yeah. fired? No. Like, so the the injustice, like the double standard, just absolutely reeks. Even if they were fined two hundred quid, that's not going to do anything, is it? How much do they get paid? Like, it's not going to do anything. The people that I was with at the vigil, some of them are students. They have nothing. Yeah, like, you know, people mm. were like, like banding together, calling everyone, trying to find the money for them to pay, so they weren't mm. prosecuted. Mm. And that's the thing with fines: is they will only, if they're not means tested, they will only affect the poor. I want to address the idea that it's a few bad apples, right? Because I think that's the thing that keeps coming up, right? And I think a lot of people listening will be like, well it's a bit unfair to like be angry with the police because they arrested you because they were doing their job now in my opinion i don't think you can say this i don't know if you can in my opinion the force did not match the crime i don't know what the expression is <laughs> um can you say anything about the actual arrest or... i can't but okay. i think if the legal proceedings go the way that we want them to people's minds will be changed instantly it's it's annoying that the police that are in this that Maybe some of them are trying, maybe some of them are thinking, well, what can we do to make women safe again? I feel like it's very, like, you know, like an abusive boyfriend, like a toxic boyfriend that's like, just trust me, just trust me. Mm. And it's like, can you admit what you did, though, and we can actually build the trust mm. properly? That's yeah. what it feels like. And it feels like they're like, no, but just trust me. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. And it's like, but you, how mm. can I know that? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. you've done so many things now. Yeah. You're just saying, well, I, that didn't really happen the way you thought it did. It was so, it was so forceful though. It was so forceful. And from just what, from what we think, from what we, we we're not saying yeah. that you've said this, we're saying this because we saw it. Exactly. Okay. From the footage that we saw, it was so forceful. And it seemed, as far as we can tell, it seemed like a very peaceful, mm. calm, uh, just... I don't want to say nice vigil because mm. obviously a vigil can't be nice, but it, it seemed like there was a lot of solidarity and there was... It, well, there it, were babies there. Kate Middleton Kate was Middleton, there. Yeah. There were yeah. babies there, there were dogs there. Do yeah. You know yeah. I mean? like, and I think the point I have to make is like Reclaiming Streets went to court with the Met and they said about um, them not letting them have the vigil um, and the Met lost. They appealed twice mm. and lost the appeals as well because they found no evidence to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure this is how it went, that they didn't find evidence that the police actually looked into COVID regulations and that was the reason. So the actual reason that they didn't want the vigil to go ahead was because of the Met's reputation. Nobody yeah. mentioned regulations. What I would say to people, because I, I used to think, oh, I'm a feminist, you know, and I'm mm. just doing my daily thing, like every now and again, I'd call out some misogyny and say, that's mm. great, that's brilliant, but you need to do something more because you're able to, you know, and I think, I always think about like women that have been murdered and think like if, if we'd just done something more, something more, do you know what I mean? And I hate yeah. to think we now have the opportunity to do something now and keep fighting so that hopefully things change for the future. Yeah. Because I would hate to think that I've not done anything to try and prevent stuff like that happening. I call it like the feminist beach, we're all just grains of sand, mm. but in the end it has to be a beach and you might think it's so insignificant and so tiny, but if we're all putting down one grain of sand each, it's going to create this you know, foundation for, for future generations. Yeah. And I think doing that as well means getting out there, like going to protests, going to speeches, putting as much as you can into it you know obviously don't overload yourself because a lot of people get burned out very quickly but mm. you know if you're sharing things if you're speaking up about it properly and yeah. calling it out eventually they're gonna have to do something if we're all shouting about it you know yeah. you seem like a totally different person to the the first interview that i watched of you after <laughs> like after what happened and it does feel like you've been on this huge and you were sort of like forced onto like this path which has ended up like benefiting women everywhere so we're grateful in a funny sort of way that you've ended up doing the work that you're doing because it's so important um but I think we would be remiss not to mention the the racial element to this because you said 
earlier, like how different you think it might have been had you been a black woman. Yeah. And I suppose, like you say, that's a perspective that, that you hadn't considered before because you probably never imagined that you'd be arrested at a women's right and, you know, all, all of this. But I wonder if you could kind of explain what you've learned in that space and, and some of the women that have educated you sort of within this and, and, and more of what these protests are becoming and more of what we're seeing within the police. Yeah, so, like, you know, I, I've always been an intersectional feminist, but on a very, very small scale. Mm. I didn't think I understood or I was very ignorant towards it. Um, I think, you know, the way that we want men to listen to us about what we're going through is very similar to how black women want us to listen to them. Um, and that's literally, like, listen. And that's the main thing that you need to be doing, you know, um, they don't need white saviors. They don't need anyone to come into their space and try and help them and things like mm-hmm. that. It's literally you just listen, educate yourself as much as possible. Because like I said, like when I said I'm not anti-police and things like that, I didn't understand that the police racially profile women all the time. So mm-hmm. as well as being women and having that to deal with, they're also racially profiled. Also, there's a whole bunch of other things going on uh, and other marginalised mm-hmm. groups. Um, but yeah, I you know the women that I've met have absolutely just gone above and beyond they didn't have to do that at all and they've really taught me a lot um and i think you know the learning never stops you have to keep learning about these things i think you know the more people talk about it the more interviews are done the more podcasts are done you know you guys doing this is a a massive thing as well because you know your viewers and listeners hopefully will be like oh you know what even if one of them goes i'm gonna i'm gonna try something and i'm gonna stand up fantastic you've done an amazing job do you know what I mean that's that's what it's about and I think the more people talk about it the more people get involved and eventually we'll have enough people where they're gonna have to listen and they're gonna have to Mm. and and that will cause women to stop being murdered Mm. that that's what we want do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's, hopefully, that will happen. And it yeah. might take a long, long time. We're excited to go to the protest with you and see you in action. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and with us. we can't wait until you win your legal proceedings. And yes. Then and then you can come tell on. us. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Tell us yeah. full story. Okay. Yeah. So you're about to hear from Mandu Reid, who is the leader of the Women's Equality Party, and she became the first person of colour to lead a national political party in British history. So, yeah, it would be amazing just to hear, like, obviously what you do, and we wanted to talk to the Women's Equality Party anyway, because what yeah. you do is so important, but on with this, particularly given that more charges have been brought against women who'd been at the vigil last year or people who'd been at the vigil last year we just it, the, the whole hypocrisy it's all just felt so ugly and horrible and having spoken to Patsy today about how she feels about the police given the, her experiences uh, I, we were really excited by your work today it feels Thank really you. powerful and I would just love to hear in your own words what, what, what you're hoping to achieve with today and what it means yeah. to you to, to do there's it a, there's a few things we're trying to achieve um, in case you weren't aware we actually started around midday We've done a 10-mile march um, from Freyant Park, where Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman were murdered. We've marched from that place to here. It's a long march. We've done that deliberately because we wanted to do something that really communicated our commitment to honouring their lives, but also to push for justice and change. What the police did when um, the family reported them missing was atrocious. They ignored them, they had to launch their own search party and 16 hours later, only 16 hours later, um, after they had found the dead bodies, did the police get involved? You'd think that would be enough. You'd think that being the end of the story would be enough, but no. They had one job after that point, which was to guard the crime scene. Instead, the two police officers on duty took selfies with uh, Bieber and Nicole's dead bodies and shared them on WhatsApp with other police officers in a group of 41 other police officers. So the link to what you were saying earlier, Ari, your conversations with Patsy and other things I'm sure you're interested in, is that the police do not take responsibility for the misogyny, for the racism within their ranks. They love to point to these things and frame them as bad apples. This isn't a bad apple situation. This is about a rotten institutional culture, a culture that has misogyny and sexism and racism woven into it. Yet all we get from the police is apologies if we're lucky, but zero commitment to change. 
And so we're here to shine a light on that. Um, Mina Smallman, uh, the, uh, the woman's mum, um, can't be here today, but she gave us the green light to do this because she wants people to come together to, um, you know, raise their voices and, and push hard for change. Yeah. And what do you think change looks like with the police? You know, we talk a lot about, like, reform and, 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 and we need it, you know, sort of systemic change. But how do you think that happens? What do you, what do you think? How does it happen? Well, the very first thing that needs to take place, and this is what we're pushing for, is a statutory inquiry into misogyny and how that intersects with racism into the police on the scale of what they did a, a couple of decades ago following Stephen Lawrence's murder the McPherson inquiry. We need something on that scale. It's fully independent. They can compel witnesses to come forward. The inquiry that they've um, launched in the wake of Sarah Everard's murder to investigate what happened with Wayne Cousins is too narrow in scope. It's focusing on one case. It'll completely fail black women because it won't examine how racism plays into all of this. And one case is just a way of trying to minimize this to that bad apple narrative. What you need is something that examines the breadth and depth of the problem. It will expose how deep this runs. Some of us, you know, don't need persuading, but the authorities do. So that is absolutely number one. At that point, we can then have a conversation about what do we want policing in this country to look like? You use the word reform. I prefer to use the word overhaul. I actually think we have come to the end of the line with regard to policing as we know it. It has proven itself to be dysfunctional. Tr women's trust in police has absolutely collapsed. I know people who've been sexually assaulted, who've been raped, who won't go anywhere near the police in order to report those crimes because they don't trust that they'll be treated with dignity and respect. So I think we have to um, do that inquiry, proper breadth, proper depth, and then be prepared to have a conversation where our starting point's a blank sheet. What can we do? As, 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 as women listening who want to get involved with the Women's Equality Party and with the work that you're doing, what can, what can people listening do? Well, this, the first thing I want to say to that is thank you for what you're doing today, for being here to speak to people, to amplify um, what we're doing, what all these people are gathered here to do. One of the problems with the um, Bieber and Nicole case, it happened two years ago, it was totally under the radar. It was a horrendous, it was a, it was a man, a young man radicalized on the manosphere, on incel chat rooms, etc., um, who murdered two women as part of a pact with the devil to murder six women every six months. Why was that not a top news story? I would argue that a big factor in that is the victims are black, right? And so you being here today, um, helping to spread the word about this, is already you playing your part. So thank you. The Women's Equality Party is a political party. People who are members of other parties are welcome to join. We practice this thing called political polyamory, right? So we're not possessive about whether you've got affiliations with other political parties or groups. So you can join us. You can get involved. We've massively exploded our following on TikTok where we um, announce actions that we're doing uh, to create political pressure to push for change that will take us to a world where men and women are truly equal citizens. So it's really easy to get involved and we need as many people in the mix as possible because this change ain't going to happen by itself, you know. Today, obviously, you've been going a while now since midday. Yeah. Have you had any encounters with the police today or have you been allowed to have a very peaceful protest? The police have so far been on their best behaviour okay. because they know that um, all these people are watching, all these people... Um, have reached the end of the line, are no longer going to accept the dysfunction that has become so normalised. And so the police we've seen have been, you know, doing what you'd expect police officers to do, facilitating protest. My issue is with the leadership of the Metropolitan Police. Where are they? Why do they have to be forced to apologise? The new commissioner who comes in to replace Cressida Dick, even if that's a highly successful process and we get a good apple, that person's going to have to be really bold, you know? And so if you ask me in six months' time how I feel about how the police are doing, if I haven't seen big changes, if I haven't seen commitment to that statutory inquiry, they're getting an F-minus from me. Right. Yeah. Thank you. We have to march now. But yeah, thank you so much. Got to get to work. You too. You too.
So we walked the final mile with the protesters. We chanted, held signs. And during that time, we met somebody called Isabel. This is what she had to say about why she was there. So if you could just tell us why you're here and like what this means to you. I feel we need to get rid of institutional racism and institutional sexism. It's point blank, it affects everyone, whether they realize it or not. And if you don't make a stand now, when will you? So here's Marvina Essiogene Newton, who's an activist, and she started with an anagram for the word ally, which we thought was apt. And after that, you're going to hear from Jen Selby, who's a journalist and survivor. Who are you not to check your privilege? Let me make it simple for you. A, act when you see the inequalities when you see it. L, listen to the voices of those who oppress. L, unlearn your unconscious bias, because you got it. And the why is to yield your freaking privilege and turn it into power. If you're not about to do that, there's nothing to be said. And to my brothers and sisters, when you see this, it's not only for the gram. Do something. Do something. When you see evil and you don't speak out about it, you are part of the freaking problem. As a campaigner, I have survivor after survivor disclose the trauma they go through, first at the hands of violent men, then at the hands of a criminal justice system that is meant to protect us. Now, I'm also a journalist, um, and I worked at several national newspapers during this time. Only since Sarah Everard was murdered at the hands of a serving Met officer have editors truly sat up and taken notice of what we women endure day in, and day out at the hands of this organization. A young woman, I can only imagine, looked an awful lot like the daughters of some of those very white, very male editors I worked for. It is also truly revealing to note how difficult it was to get editors to treat coverage of murders of women of color like Sabina Nessa, like Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman with the same enthusiasm. Now I saw that process. It happened. It is not a figment of your imagination. Do not let them gaslight you. Racism and misogyny walk hand in hand throughout our society, throughout the establishment, and we must not stand for it. The next few speakers are all involved in some capacity within these institutions. First, you'll hear from Chantelle Lunt, an activist, writer and ex-police officer. Then from Dawn Butler, who is MP for Brent. Uh, then again from Chantelle. And then you'll hear from Belle Ribeiro Addy, MP for Streatham. For those who don't know me, I, used, I, I, trained, I trained to be a police officer. I used to be a police officer. And for me, the bad apple narrative bothers me a lot. Because when I went into the police force, I went to be a good person and to change things and to save my community and to help my community. And I thought I'd be with people who were the exact same as me. And what I realised was I stuck out like a sofa. And this is why that notion that what they do and their institutional misogyny and misogynoir and their institutional racism can be trained out of them. Because there is a culture within those forces that overrides any training package that you want to put in there. And that culture is, throw the rule book out the window, lads. This is how we do it here. And if you are someone who wants to challenge the way they do things and the way that I challenged it, then you will quickly find yourself forced out of the police force and they become a blue wall against you because it's like a cult. And if you don't think like them and if you don't act like them, then you are out. And they do not think that our lives matter and they do not think that women matter. And no training course, no training package is gonna change that. The Met Police were founded less than 200 years ago, and they were founded on principles of integrity, equality, inclusion, impartiality. It's actually a bit like a comedy if you read the principles they were founded on, because that police force looks nothing like that. It is a members only misogynistic boys club, and they have shown me nothing in the past two years that says they are likely to change. Some people say when you criticize the police that you're anti-police. I'm not anti-police. In fact, some of the police have helped me. What I am anti is the corrupt police, the bad police, the racist police, the misogynistic police, the homophobic police. Those are the ones I'm against. And if you're not against them, then there's something wrong with you, not me. Let's not stay silent on male violence. Say, I will not stay silent. I will not stay silent. 
stamp your feet. I will not stay silent. Louder. I will not stay silent. I will not stay silent. I will not But sometimes as black women, I can stand up for my sisters all day long, but I found it really hard when I was in the police to stand up for myself. So as women, and not just black women, every woman here, and we know who's included in that, every woman here is included in that. We are our sisters keepers. We need to look after each other. We need to fight for each other. So I will leave you on this. I am my sister's keeper. I will not let her down. I am waiting in the background, ready to fix her crown. If any one of our crowns slip, you fix it. We are our sister's keepers and we must all straighten each other's crowns. We need to look out for each other and we need to keep our eyes on them. And when we say Black Lives Matter, people say to us, why do you have to say that? Of course Black Lives Matter. Of course that should be obvious. But to somebody that looks like me, it's not obvious. Because of the way we are treated, because of the way we are brutalised, because of the way when something happens to us, it very rarely makes it into the news. And it only does if somebody is caught. When, when, when these things are exposed and the police apologise, they say to us, well, we've apologised. What more do you want? But when they do that, that is just reputation management. That's not change. And I can tell you because myself and Dawn, we've been in meetings with uh, Cressida Dick and she would say things like, well, of course we have to stop and search people in these areas, in these communities, because that's where the crime happens. As somebody who works in the House of Commons, I can tell you there are criminals everywhere. <laughs> So now we're about to hear a piece that writer and poet Miss Yankee wrote for the day. It's beautiful and so touching. Thank you for standing for women. Thank you for shining a light on the plight of black and brown women, for forgiving and using your energy to plant seeds of change, for campaigning, for refusing to keep quiet, highlighting the racism and misogyny ingrained in police culture and doing everything in your power to effect radical change. Today, we stand with you. Enough is enough. As we march on the Met, let us take some time to reflect on Nicole and Bieber, who we shall never forget. Mina's daughters were special, treasured, loved and cherished. Bieber was five foot tall with a mighty spirit. Her mum described her as Bieber the Spitfire, a force of nature who always fought for what was right. She was known to be the biggest personality in the room, a dedicated social worker and a passionate advocate for safeguarding vulnerable children and families. Bieber was a shining light. Her little sister, Nicole, was a talented artist who had a beautiful voice. She enjoyed photography and the creative arts and kept humanitarian and environmental causes close to her heart. Her mum described her as Nikki the flower girl. She was electric. Her presence in a room was said to be like a nightlight, warm, gentle, protective. Nicole and Bieber spent their last day on earth together. The sisters met with friends in a country park to celebrate Bieber's birthday. They enjoyed food and drinks laughed and took photos before watching the sunset and admiring the night sky, not wanting the moment to end. The sisters bid their friends goodbye and stayed together, dancing under the stars. Two beautiful lights, two valuable lives taken. They never made it home that night. In the days after they vanished, the Met failed to search for the sisters despite the family's cries for help. They were cold and unresponsive, leaving the family no choice but to organise their own search party, forcing them to do the research and effectively the work for which the police are paid a wage. What Bieber and Nicole's loved ones faced was inhumane, for it was not the police who discovered their bodies that day. No longer missing, but the police misconduct continued with the two officers sent to guard the crime scene, shamelessly taking selfies with the sisters which they shared in the name of fun. Cressida, the now ex-police commissioner, eventually apologized on behalf of the Met and expressed her regret and deepest sympathies. If only her sympathies ran as deep as her denial. Maybe then she would have faced up to the failure she was playing down. It took her 10 months to apologize. And sorry doesn't mean much when you're unable to fully realize the wrongs and take appropriate action. Yeah. 
Sorry doesn't mean much when the police force is so dangerously flawed and the keepers of the law keep breaking and bending it at will, knowing they will likely never be held accountable. The Mets have been failing women like you and I for a very long time and the denial of this fact, along with time past, does not erase the racist, misogynistic crimes of their past. Time and time again, women are betrayed by the institutions who get paid to protect us. Racism and misogyny is widespread from the criminal justice system to the government, to the media, to the Met. Yes. Time and time again, human rights are abused, our demands are refused, and we are made to feel like there is nothing we can do. Time and time again, we grieve, laying woman after woman to rest in peace. Some stories are told, others we never hear or see. Time and time again, black and brown women are disregarded, their deaths treated with a lack of attention, care and respect. There is a reason why women like me do not trust the government or the Met. Some women's murders receive attention, whilst others are seemingly invisible. Why are we gripped by the death of some women and not others? If racism is a thing of the past, then why are things still handled so poorly when it comes to the treatment of women of colour? These women are more than statistics or newspaper covers. These women are our daughters, our mothers, sisters, loved ones, friends. So we hurt when they're taken. Their lives are not expendable. And though these crimes cannot be undone, we still demand justice for the women slain. We still demand respect. We still demand change. That is our right. In the same way, it is our right to feel safe. It is our right to say no. It is our right to be human. It is our right to get home. We are marching on the Met to let them know that they owe more than hollow apologies and empty promises. We will not be placated by statements of intent that are never cemented while they copy and paste press releases and reluctantly make scripted apologies to keep the peace. Time and time again they tell us mistakes were made from which they've learned their lessons while dancing around questions, skipping over answers and changing subjects, choosing not to subject themselves to the cries of victims and survivors, choosing to deny our truth and ignore our plight. Women's rights are stereotyped and pushed aside, minimised, mocked and denied. Their systems are rotten from the inside, so an internal inquiry will not suffice we don't have to be on the same side to be on the same page. There is much to discuss, argue and debate, but right now there is immediate action that we need to take. It's really not that complicated. The misogyny, racism, murder, rape, abuse, violence and hate must stop. We came here today to remember Bieber and Nicole and to fight for every woman whose story isn't told. We came here today to stand together, to fight, to speak up and let the world know enough is enough. Enough is enough. Finally, we have the end of a speech from the Southall Black Sisters. They're a group of black and minority women with years of experience struggling for women's human rights in the UK. They are a non-for-profit, secular and inclusive organisation which was established in 1979 to meet the needs of Black, Asian and African Caribbean women. They run an advice, advocacy and resource centre in West London which provides a comprehensive service to women experiencing violence and abuse and other forms of inequality. And after that, you'll hear from Mandu Reid again to close us out. Reclaim the night, reclaim the day, reclaim the streets, reclaim the home. Our tradition, struggle, not submission. So there's a lot to do. And we can do it if we come together like this, if we come together on a regular basis, if we support each other, if we fight together, we stand a chance of making it happen. Bring others on board. Bring, bring your men folk as well. Because none of this is going to change if men and women don't fight for it together. In fact, men are the only ones who have the power to end male violence against women and girls. So thank you to the handful of guys that showed up. Tell your friends, bring your friends, and let's make this the start of writing that new chapter. 
thank you guys so much for listening we know that today's episode has been a bit different but we really hope that you've enjoyed it and learned something from it we definitely have um and we're gonna see you back on thursday see you on thursday guys thanks so much for listening take care bye